four ordinary guys with extraordinary ideas for Disney parks. This is Main Street Musings. The experimental podcast of tomorrow. Hello and welcome to Main Street Musings, the experimental podcast of tomorrow. This is our special Thanksgiving episode. I'm Tanner, and joining me today are a little side of mashed potatoes and Jakey, <laughs> the big turkey, Brock. Gobble, gobble, gobble. And a little slice of pumpkin pie, Eric. Ooh. I didn't get to say hi because I was so busy laughing at that. <laughs> <laughs> today, for our special Thanksgiving episode, we've decided that we're each going to bring in our own pitch. This means there's no specific theme of a ride type, a land, or a movie connecting these, so things are going to be just wild and all out there. How's everyone feeling about that? Welcome to chaos! (laughs) I'm actually pretty excited about my idea. It's not like a wild idea, it's just one that I... It didn't fit into any of the other show ideas that we had listed out. Yeah, what I I like about the idea, the bring-your-own-pitch idea, is we're going to have... Because normally we have everything on the same level, right? It's the same type of thing, so everything's the same scale. But we have things, they could be as you like small as, like, we think the trash cans should be purple. <laughs> I can't wait to talk about that. <laughs> or as big as, like, here's Disney World in... Um, uh, Madagascar that we're pitching. We're going to turn the whole island of Madagascar into a Disney park. It could be... Brock, stop reading our sheet of ideas. You're spoiling the whole episode. Sorry, guys. Sorry. I just think it's funny. Spoilers for later on in the episode that, like, with the specific plans, I've come up with all of these grandiose ideas, like we should put something underwater like a whole resort. And then this one, when it's completely open-ended, is very tame. So, <laughs> Because you, don't, you need to push boundaries, Eric. That's who you are as a person. And when you don't have boundaries to push, you're just like, eh. Yeah, that's fine. Stay within the box. The box is comfortable. Yeah, when everyone's telling Eric to go as big as he wants, he's like, well, screw you. I'm going small. <laughs> So actually, this is a real pitch, but it also is not worth being on the podcast is the resort buses. Brock and I have talked about this late at night. You're getting ready. (laughs) You know, you had a long day at the park. You're getting ready to get off at your resort and all the lights on the bus come on like that. And you go from pitch black to just like blinding light. And it's awful. And I think, and Brock agrees, I think that uh, the lights need to gently fade on and fade off. And I think that would make everybody's experience on the bus is much more pleasant. So that was Jake's pitch. Whose <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> pitch is next? That was yeah, Jake's. That was, that's, that's all my Jake pitch gets for to this, talk episode. About this episode. I can't wait until we talk about it in depth. <laughs> we can talk about potentiometers that they can use in the wiring. <laughs> hey, remember when we used to do a podcast? <laughs> this is the podcast, Brock. What are you talking about? Well, Brock, if you're going to be such a whiny little bitch about it, do we want to get into the pitches? Yeah, I think Brock needs to start us off. All right, yeah, with that, Brock, let's take it away into our pitches for the episode. I thought we had a system for this, but this I guess... The, this right. is the new system. Mother <laughs> the system is who bitches the most starts. <laughs> it's the part where we make a pitch. Take it away. So I'd like to talk about something, like I said earlier, it's going to be something pretty small scale. You might not be familiar, but in the Disney parks, they have what they call Streetmosphere. Now, Streetmosphere are entertainers and performers who will go around, you know, the streets. They're just people that you'll run into walking down the streets. They'll do a little performance. They'll do it for the people who are walking by. You don't line up. You don't do any of that. They're just there. Good examples of that are going to be the Dapper Dans in Magic Kingdom, the Barbershop Quartet, who's become very famous. In Hollywood Studios, they have the Citizens of Hollywood, who are people dressed up like they live in Hollywood of the 30s and 40s, that golden age, and they interact with people and do a lot of fun bits and jokes and sketches and lotsies for those theaterly inclined. So my thought was to add Streetmosphere of the characters Theodore and Amos from the old Disney films 
the Apple Dumpling Gang and the Apple Dumpling Gang Rides Again. Yes. That's the characters played by Don Knotts and Tim Conway. And the reason for this is those two are comedy legends. Their rapport on the screen is incredible. There's also very little representation in the parks from the old live-action Disney films. You will get a couple old cartoons, but none the old live-action. And I will say, for the most part, that's fair, because nobody nowadays is talking about the computer wore tennis shoes or any of those sorts of movies. But I think these characters kind of can transcend that. They're two fun, silly cowboy characters that we would put in Frontierland who are completely bumbling, always getting into messes. They'd be doing fun skits and lotsies with each other for the guests' entertainment. And whether you knew the movie or not, it wouldn't really matter because it would still be these two great archetypal comedic characters that would be very fun and very engaging and very entertaining for any guest to interact with. That's awesome. Sounds good. Cool. To add to that, Brock, if I'm not mistaken, I believe in the the new queue line for Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, and I say new meaning whatever was last refurbished in the last several years, mm-hmm. I believe that there is a small detail reference to the Apple Dumpling game. Oh. I believe in like a display case or something, there is a letter or a telegram that references two bumbling burglars in the next town over and keep an eye out for them. If I'm not mistaken, if I'm not misremembering, that is an official Disney nod to the Apple Dumpling Gang. So that also could work as a perfect tie-in to having them in Frontierland. Exactly. Way to think ahead, Brox. Way to know all of those little details and put it in the perfect yeah, place. Yeah, I, I know. Yeah, I, I put that there, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I snuck into Disney a couple of years ago. I hung it up and no one has noticed. <laughs> That's what we need to do. We need to be like a guerrilla task force and just like go into the parks and start implementing these changes that we want on our own. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. We should build a time travel yeah. roller coaster in Tomorrowland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can probably build a dark ride underneath fantasy. Yeah, they wouldn't land. know. <laughs> when nobody's no one looking. Will notice. Well, that'll be underneath <laughs> the ground. That one will be easier than some of the stuff in the parks. <laughs> yeah, that's true. As like we're tearing out Gaston's tavern to make room for a stage show and holding casting. <laughs> <calls>. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. All right, looks like next up we're going to have the T-Dizzle. The Tan Man. Tanner. T-Dizzle for shizzle. All right. So for my idea, I decided to pitch a ride. First off, this is our Thanksgiving episode. I want to talk a little bit about what I'm thankful for. And that is that the Le- Stitch's Great Escape has closed and died <laughs> because that ride was awful. So bad. So, <laughs> so my idea is to replace that with a new Lilo and Stitch ride. Uh, that started out as my girlfriend Jackie requesting a Hawaiian roller coaster ride. That's not what we're going to get. Instead, we're going to get a new ride <laughs> where you will help Lilo, Stitch, and Jumba track down Experiment 602, a.k.a. Sinker, which is a shark-like f- experiment that sinks boats and other stuff in the water yeah. using a new special air, land, and water surfboard that Jumba's invented. This will be a screen ride where we will follow them along, tracking down this experiment, trying to get it safe. So some of the key scenes that I have, and we can flush all this out later, is tracking Finn through like wreckage of like ships and stuff in the ocean with big waves, uh, chasing him on the island that two other experiments, Yin and Yang, are creating out in the ocean. One of them shoots lava fireballs, and the other one squirts a bunch of water. So trying to avoid them doing their work, I think, would be a really fun action sequence in the ride. And then, of course, we have to have a scene where we go whiz past the guy with the ice cream cone, yes. knocking it out of his <laughs> hand again, because that's just a classic. Amazing. <laughs> So the ride vehicle for this that I'm imagining would be kind of like a surfboard with like a seat that you sit in for accessibility and like a handle. So you're kind of in a squat position riding it, almost like a parasail kind of. And it would use some of the same mechanics as like Flight of Passage where you would be riding around, uh, the board would move under you, adding to the screen effect with uh, like squirts of water and other heat and stuff hitting you for a fun ride. Oh, that's super awesome. I like it. That is so cool. I just want to say I love your usage of the different experiments from the cartoon show and all the other Lilo and Stitch stuff. I'm not as familiar with the extended Lilo and Stitch universe 
So I'm uh, excited to learn more about it. If you have questions, you can ask me during the question <laughs> portion. <laughs> I did so much studying about it before today. He literally had to memorize 627 experiments. <laughs> yeah, the question portion for this episode is just going to be Eric going, so one, two. <laughs> All right, who's next? All right, looks like it's me. Today, I'm going to be pitching a stage show. Uh, It's one that we've discussed before in this particular podcast. We've talked about the Incredibles uh, Tomorrowland thing that is terrible. The the dance party. Uh, Back when um, we did our Tomorrowland episode and Tanner pitched a replacement for that. What I am pitching is a different Incredibles stage show. I don't know if it's in Tomorrowland. I don't know exactly where it is. We can figure that out later. But it is a fully produced stunt show. Focusing around uh, several years have passed since the end of Incredibles 2. Mr. and Mrs. Incredible, Elastigirl, and Mr. Incredible have retired from the superhero business for good. They're old and gray and kind of out of the picture. Uh, And the kids have taken over the crime fighting uh, section, particularly Dash and Violet are sort of leading up the new age of the superhero movement. But then they all get captured in Jack-Jack awkward preteen Jack Jack um, (laughs) is forced to go and save the day. And so we have a stunt show that is focusing around all of the myriad of different powers that Jack Jack exhibits. So we can have him like shoot up in the air, turn into a rock and fall down, shoot laser beams out of his eyes, um, all kinds of stuff like that. Uh, that's our first act as he rescues obviously the entire family ends up coming together to fight this villain Um, but the the main thrust of it is that it's awkward (laughs) preteen Jack Jack stunt show (laughs) as we uh, go go through it nice outstanding (laughs) I love that also I think you just pitched Incredibles 3 I think you did I pretty like yeah I was running it by my roommate the other day and I was like yeah actually if they ever make an Incredibles 3, this is beat for beat exactly. <laughs> and if it's not, Incredibles 3 is a failure. Agreed. I'll say it. <laughs> so yeah, that's my, that's my pitch. Nice. Nicely done, um, everybody. Well, we'll see, Jake. <laughs> Don't say everybody until you've gone. <laughs> I was hoping you were just going to be like, yeah, everybody did a good job and leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> It's always it's always tough going last in here because you know you're trying not to compare yourself to everybody. Yeah, it's 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 a rough spot to be. That's why I made the pyramidal dice work in my favor and not. Oh, go last interesting! Well. Interesting how that works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why is he in charge of that again? <laughs> He's in charge because on the first day of recording, when I asked what is a D four, his response was it is a pyramidal structure. That is why Eric is in charge. <laughs> Fair. I can't argue with that. Because I know a lot of words. He is the most pretentious of us all, so he gets to hold the dice. <laughs> oh, God, I wish there was a lie there. <laughs> all right, so I guess I should pitch. Huh? <clears throat> I um, will start this off by saying Tanner and Eric. Are either of you familiar with the Spirit of Aloha dinner show at the Polynesian Resort in Disney World? No. No, you're not. Okay. No. So my pitch is to retheme that show. Basically, it's a dinner show. It's like two hours long. I know Brock has been to it because he and I have seen it in person. It's, you know, like your Polynesian dancing and music and, you know, you eat food while luau. it's happening. Yeah, luau. I don't know. It's been the same for years and years, and the general opinion of it is that it is okay at best, and most people don't want to see it more than once. Yeah, it's really cool, but it's not something you have to see multiple times. Right, and it has this really loose plot of, like, the girl moved away to the continental U.S., and, like, she is coming home, and we're watching the show as she comes home to, like, be with her family again and falls back in love with the culture she was raised in. But it's a really loose, kind of lame plot that just barely holds the musical dance numbers together. It reminds me of one of the cruise ship shows. 
<laughs> we'll talk about those later. Um, but so my thought was this show is kind of lacking for being in such a great spot. It's in the Polynesian. It's in, in an outdoor like amphitheater type thing. And the show happens. They always start it like as the sun is setting and then it gets dark. So by the end of the show, they can have like the fire dancers come out in the dark. So it's kind of the show is not great enough for that location. And then also we have a property that could fit perfectly in that environment that is not being utilized, which in my opinion is Moana. So my thought is we re-theme Spirit of Aloha. We have a new Polynesian stage show, which is the story of Maui. And you come in and maybe the old storyteller woman begins to tell you the story of Maui and how he came to be. And in the song, You're Welcome, Maui actually, if you listen to the lyrics, he references some of the real stories of Maui. So like there's four big ones, which is when he hauled up the islands of Hawaii, um, when he lassos the sun to make the days longer, uh, when he lifts the sky and when he defeats the long eel. And he references all those things. And then he also references the story of how he gave the humans fire. So my thought was it might be fun to play around with those stories and learn more about Maui himself, all in the style of the movie and with music similar to the movie. And perhaps every show would then end with You're Welcome, which all the kids love. And I have a lot more details I can go into, but I will save those for the question period. That is my pitch. Cool. Okay, and I think now we can officially say... Good job, everybody. Thank you. <laughs> was really hoping Jake was going to drop the ball so I could be like, good job, everybody, except Jake. Don't worry. Wait long <laughs> enough and he will. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure I will. <laughs> All right, boys. I think we're ready to ask some questions. It's the part where we do Q&A. So I'm going to – so I have a question for Jake, actually. Yes. There's a resort in Hawaii that Disney owns. Alani. Right? Uh, Alani, yeah. And that's very steeped in Hawaiian culture. And they do a really good job of, uh, you know, not taking over or misrepresenting anything. Mm-hmm. Is this a show that's better fit for that Hawaiian resort uh, than the Florida one, is my question. So, my uh, I have not been to Alani my understanding of Alani is they don't really have a lot of IP there. They kind of reserve okay. the IP more for the parks. I might be mistaken, but that's my understanding. So that was why I thought this would be better in the parks. And again, I think it's not necessarily about bringing Moana into the parks or Maui as great as that is. For me, it's about replacing a show that is lackluster. Sure. With something educational and, right. cool and stuff With, like that. Yeah. And people yeah. would be more interested in. I, w- I will say that the uh, the show there it, it it takes a lot of really interesting, really cool aspects of culture of the culture, um, but for the most part, it's a pretty stale show. Uh, the plot is dull. The, there's some dull stuff about it, but just to put that into a new context, I think is what Jake's arguing, and I think definitely it deserves. So yeah, if we don't, well, it would be an existing show space, and you could still keep some aspects of it, like the fire dancing or the traditional hula dancing and that kind of thing. Yeah, no, my question mostly revolves around the fact that you know they already have something that is looking into doing a really good representation of Hawaiian culture, which Maui mm-hmm. is an important part of, and so I just didn't want to make. I want to make sure that there wasn't too much overlap there, or yeah. if overlap was okay right and I, I, think, I, I think it's okay yeah i think it's okay because i mean the polynesian exists and they as the polynesian and alani exists as alani you know they're not trying to you know tone one down so they're not the same because they're not the same yeah absolutely all right um while we're on the subject of performances i would like to ask eric so is the lead in the incredible stunt show going to be a child stunt performer so i mean we've all seen movies and been a part of plays where things are not particularly cast age appropriately i how dare you i have no (laughs) idea what you're referring to (laughs) you played a 45 year old man in in a show that i played a 60 year old um little tidbit for the the viewers out there and only um, one of us isn't that age <laughs> <laughs> uh, in my view it's uh, being played by somebody in their early 20s uh, probably 
Um, honestly, probably like I, I feel like that could be a gender neutral casting too, kind of like a Peter Pan. Yeah. Um, casting, uh, you know, a twelve to fourteen year old boy um, as a in the early twenties of either gender. Honestly, I, I kind of hoped that was going to be your answer. I just wanted to let you have the chance to say it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, <appreciate> it. <laughs> I wanted to. I was. We just were hoping that maybe you'd surprise us and be like, "Now nah, we're going to set a fourteen-year-old kid on fire." <laughs> <laughs> Which you would have won three zero, I think, if you had said that. So you kind of dropped. The and ball. we're going to make him shave his head, except for the little point in the middle, <laughs> which we're going to dye bright red. <laughs> All right. So I have a question for Brock. Uh, I have a feeling I won't be the only person uh, in this boat. Can you elaborate a little bit more on the Apple Dumpling Gang for myself and some of your our listeners who may not be invested in the lore of who these characters are and what they do? Yeah, so in the original The Apple Dumpling Gang film, it's kind of... Um, how do I, how do I put this? It's, um, boring. Um, but <laughs> essentially the plot sold. Yeah. <laughs> the plot of the first film is that Bill Bixby is like a bachelor who ends up adopting some kids who have a huge diamond, but along the way they make friends with these two bumbling outlaws who think that they're like the coolest, the toughest, the smartest criminals of the West. Brock, I have to interrupt. Did you say a diamond? Oh, no, it's a lump of gold, isn't it? Yeah, it's a huge lump of gold. It's a gold mine in the Old West. You're a fake fan. (laughs) I'm sorry. Like I said, I don't watch the first movie. The Apple Dumpling Gang fans are going to riot. So, but they make friends with these two uh, these two outlaws. The second movie kind of eschews all of the boring Bill Bixby and the kids stuff and instead replaces it with just the two outlaws, Theodore and Amos, played by Don Knotts and Tim Conway. And it's the two of them trying to make it out in the Old West. It's a series of misunderstandings and weird circumstances and their own bumbling idiocy puts them at odds with criminals and the law and the military and they're just kind of constantly going from one mistake to the next all just bumbling and doing silly crazy comedy bits along the way so those are the characters that's the essence that i want to take into the park it is quite entertaining i find the movies to be very funny yeah, the second one especially is. I, yeah. It's one of those where, like, the first one is the one that's considered the classic, but the second one's more fun to watch. Sure. I think that's a perfect way to introduce them, right? Like, they're not enough of a, a name IP to really build a full attraction around, mm-hmm. but to have them build the, the feel of Frontierland, I think, is very cool. Well, and it's great because, like Brock said, even if you don't know who they are, they're fun characters. Just these two bumbling yeah. crooks just wandering around. Could you could just be like, oh yeah, yeah there's these two funny guys, crooks, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's like you can see them trying to break into a bank, but like everything's going wrong, and it's just two guys doing a little comedic bit outside of a facade. There could be a lot of fun to be had with them looking for Clarice, Amos's donkey that disappears throughout the movie, and then he's always like concerned Ooh. looking for it. He's always like, and then we can have a live donkey walking around Frontierland. (laughs) I have a question for Tanner. Yes, sir. The surfboard ride vehicles. Yes. Uh, What are what are your intended plans for? Like, how many people can ride at one time? Well, it's going to be a lot like I know none of you guys have ridden Flight of Passage yet. Uh, you're going to have kind of like a lineup of this ride vehicle and then put on goggles to block it off. So you're watching through your own projection. Uh, Uh, So it'll, yeah. So it won't be like one big screen that everyone's doing. It'll, you'll have your goggles and it'll move individually. So there's still plenty of people can ride it at once, but it's an individual one person board attraction yeah so it's okay. Yeah, okay that that was kind of going to be my question is i was still a little confused on the ride type so it's going to be similar to the flight of passage yes so instead of riding on the back of the mighty akron it would be a surfboard sort of thing yes yeah i think it'd be cool and this is more of a comment than a question but like to kind of make it explain the surfboard seat and everything with i mean you have jumba at your disposal who's an alien mad scientist so maybe he made some sort of fancy surfboard yeah that's the concept uh like i said this is a new like special like surfboard with a rocket attached that can go on the air land and water yeah and all of our pre-show stuff's going to be jumba and pleakly walking you through 
how it works and why it's here for your mission to track down this experiment. That is so cool. The the bad guy, the, not bad guy, the um, antagonist, the giant shark guy. Gantu. 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 Yes. Would, would he feature in this attraction at all? If he did, it would be like a cameo spot probably on the, like, during the ride you'd see him somewhere. Okay. But the main focus is going to be... Traditionally, Gantu is usually trying to catch the experiments before the main characters can apprehend the experiments. So there's a bit of a race. Yeah. Yeah, so it could be something where he pops up and throughout, and kind of that's why the ride keeps going, is like whatever he does competing with you makes it so you have to go do something else to catch the experiment. Gotcha. Okay, that's cool. Cool. Are we ready to vote, boys? Are there any other questions that need to be asked? I think I'm ready. I'm ready. I think I'm ready. All right. It's the part where we vote. Uh, Let's start with Jake. Okay. I am excited about all of those ideas. Um... The one I think I will have to vote for is Tanner's. I have to go for the Lilo and Stitch because it's exciting to me to have Lilo and Stitch back in the parks in a form that is not Stitch's Great Escape. Um, <laughs> and I, I love the the show. I know the show was not, like, super well-known because it was just, like, you know, it was only on for, what, like, two or three seasons and basically yeah. just kids watched it. But it was actually a pretty good show from, from what I remember when I saw it. So I'm excited for that. And that is my vote. Tanner's Lilo and Stitch Ride. All right. Tanner. All right. I think I am going to have to vote for the stage show Incredibles because I am excited to talk about Awkward Preteen Jack some more. <laughs> I love the idea of the Maui show. Uh, just feel like that might lead. That I think that's something they should definitely do. I just, awkward preteen Jack excites me. And I like, yes, we definitely should add the Apple Dumpling Gang characters. I just don't have enough knowledge about the movie, honestly, on my part to come up with a ton of what they should do there. Yeah, and that was a pitch that I kind of, it's something that's been in my head for a while. And I kind of knew we wouldn't really have much to talk about with it, but I just wanted to get it out there. Yeah, and I agree. I think it's a really cool idea. It's just, I think it falls in that category where I'm not sure how much we can talk about it despite saying, yeah, let's do it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Brock? Um, Yeah, so I love all of the pitches immensely. Uh, The one thing with Spirit of Aloha's re-theme is it's just not a topic I know a lot about, so it's not something I could talk about a lot. Otherwise, I would love to talk about it. I definitely think it should happen. In that case, I definitely want to give it to Lilo and Stitch. Abby and I, my girlfriend, we've actually been re-watching that show, um, so <laughs> it's just funny timing. But yeah, no, it's that sounds amazing, and I, I've really got to give it, give it to Tanner. Cool. Yeah, uh, we're going to go 3-1 on that one. It's... Again, the, the to echo Tanner's sentiments about the Apple Dunkling Gang. I think it's just one of those. Yes, make it happen. I don't. I think the idea is kind of wrapped up in in its insularly. There's certainly more to talk about, but like, I, I think get, just yes, do that. Put gold diggers from the Apple Dunkling Gang next to uh, Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. My life will be much better. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I, Jake, I love your idea too. I think something definitely needs to go in there. I think that's a great idea. Uh, but I'm excited about this ride. Should be fun to talk about. Cool. Congratulations, Stan. Cool, cool. Woohoo! Woohoo! Let's go. Yeah, it's been a little bit since yeah. we've heard the sweet, sultry tones of a Tanner idea. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry. The last so, idea for me that one was uh, space noodles. So don't worry. <laughs> All right. So I guess the first thing we should talk about is give Eric a little bit more information just on like the concept of what the television show did yeah so um back in the day philo farnsworth invented a machine that he referred to as the television now what that did is you could send uh signals uh across the nation to basically show moving pictures in your own house at the time it was is somebody gonna stop him (laughs) (laughs) no i can't believe no one stopped me at philo farnsworth i wanted to see where you were going 
I was like, okay, cool. Brock's watching the show right now, so this will be a great way. He probably knows the exact way to describe this perfectly. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I can, actually. As we know from the, sh- the film Lilo and Stitch, um, there is a mad scientist named Jumba. Uh, he's created a bunch of different experiments, which are these m- sort of monsters that were designed to destroy things, as that was his plan, galactic domination and destruction. Uh, After the events, he's turned good, but all of his experiments have made their way onto Earth, just waiting to be awakened, essentially. And so the show follows Lilo, Stitch, Jumbo, Pleakley, all the characters from the film, as they, each episode, find a new experiment. Each experiment is designed with a specific purpose in mind, a purpose of destruction. They find this experiment, try to give it a name and a new home where it can do what it was designed for in a way that helps everyone. Cool. Yeah, so like I mentioned, there were the two experiments, yin and yang, for example. Uh, The two of them, one was designed to shoot fireballs that destroyed people, and the other shot water that would destroy things. And they were all worried about the two of them coming together would supposedly destroy the world but when they actually did they realized oh it creates cooled molten lava uh and can Mm. create a new island so the two of them are like creating a new island together in the middle of the ocean is what their special place is is creating instead of destroying and that's that's the general concept of the show that seems awesome Mm -hmm. yeah there's also this experiment that is stolen directly from Brock's life that just makes sandwiches all day. Experiment 625. <laughs> and it's literally just Brock. Experiment 625 <laughs> is my is the background on my computer um because I relate to him so thoroughly. His he is the he is the main antagonist's uh side kind of sidekick kind of henchman who refuses to help in any meaningful way and instead just spends his time making fun of the main antagonist and making sandwiches. <laughs> we'll have to put a picture of 625 up on the Twitter uh, for our audience to be able to picture Brock from now on in their heads. Experiment 625 <laughs> is is smarter than any of the other experiments. He's the only one who can like speak like English very well. Uh, he's smarter and he's supposed to be more dangerous, um, but he's so lazy that he just doesn't do anything except sit around and make sandwiches. I was going to be like, how does this relate to Brock? And then we got there. He is as powerful as Stitch, but he (laughs) wastes his potential. No, I refuse to say that he wastes his potential. He He spends his his time doing what he loves. (laughs) Well, I appreciate the background information about the show. Let's talk about the ride. Yes. Okay, yeah, so I think starting out, our uh, line is going to go through, I think it'd be cool to go through Jumba's laboratory uh, in their house, I think would be a good starting point for like our pre-shows and stuff with like animatronics of Jumba and Pleakley uh, walking us through that. This sinker is the experiment that we have to track down and show up his picture and stuff on a computer. He's dangerous, he does all of these things. And then walk through the mechanics of the new space surfboard yeah. that we have. Okay. Yeah, I dig it. I think something that would be cool is, because I was picturing coming into contact with a bunch of these experiments during the ride. Yes. Mm. Is if you had, like, Jumba in your ear, like, in the helmet, yeah. telling you, oh, we're coming up on this experiment right now. Yeah. And this is what it's designed to do. And then, oh, no. And then it does something similar. Yeah. So a quick clarification from somebody who isn't as familiar with the ride style in which it's based off of. Um, I know you mentioned, like, goggles that create an individual experience. But what, what? so what is the technology? Like, what is... So, like, with the Pandora ride or whatever, what happens? So you get onto an individual seat... That sits you in the shape of what it would be like to ride on the back of the Mighty Akron. In this one, it would put you in a surfing position. (laughs) Uh, So you would go in. There'd be surfboard-looking seats for everybody with a with a like chair on. But is it it, is it a Mighty surfboard? (laughs) Yes, the Mighty surfboard. (laughs) And so you would go. You'd sit. You'd get locked and secured, probably on your feet 
and in a seatbelt on the seat and you'd grab onto the pole that we talked about and that would kind of lock you in place. Then once and a mask would come down, that would be your like projection of what's going on for your face. And then at that point, I believe this technology is the floor drops out for that ride. So there's more space for the board or the animal to maneuver around dropping. It's very much like you're, it's a more up-to-date version of like a lot of those roller coaster simulator type rides that they have at like parks and stuff. It's just a one with a lot more money put into it and a lot more 2020 technology. Gotcha. So it's like a 2020 Star Tours. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah, no, I buy that. But with the helmet being your individualized version of it, so you can't see all of these other kind of immersive ruining side views of like who's going in unless you're like trying to. Yeah, it's not like this it's not like the Simpsons ride in Universal where you're supposed to be on this cart, but if you turn your head at all, you can see the like dozens and dozens of other ride vehicles that are experiencing the same thing. Yes, exactly. And like I think the full helmet would be like in addition that we would come up with with Imagineers for this because I don't think it's a full helmet on Flight of Passage, but that was my way of like basically describing you're going to have your own vision of what's going on. It won't be like Soren or anything where there's one screen for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Is that a little clear? Yes. Yeah, I think so. I I, I have a good idea of what's going on now. Because of the surfboard concept of it, it's a little bit harder to picture how that would work. (laughs) (laughs) Which is why I've had to make contracts of things like seats and handle holders that normally wouldn't be on a surfboard. Well, well, I thought you said it was going to be a sailboard. Yeah. That's why originally it was a surfboard, but more of like a parasail. Yeah. Yeah, So, well, the parasail, you're like sitting in a parachute, but with a sailboard, you're standing on a surfboard and holding the handles. So, like, Mm -hmm. I think either of those could work. I think the sailboard is a uh, cleaner idea just because it creates you are facing forward. My biggest problem visualizing like a surfboard is that like if you're looking directly forward in a surfboard, you're seeing the sail. And so Mm -hmm. I'm imagining like turning my head to the left in order Mm -hmm. to be able to fully immerse myself in what's going on. And that's not a comfortable position to stick yourself in for seven and a half minutes or however long this ride is going to be. I will also say... Parts of Flight of Passage, notoriously uncomfortable if you don't get locked in the right, exactly the right way. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like the sailboards sitting down facing forward, you avoid a lot of those problems, though. Yes, exactly. Okay, cool. cool. So now that we've talked about the vehicle and the ride system, let's talk about the beats of the ride. Yes. All right, yeah. So like I said, I had a couple of moments uh, that I planned out. I thought it'd be cool to kind of start the ride with an exciting jump of, like, you load up onto, like, one of their spaceships, Mm -hmm. planes, and you slide and drop out into the water. Oh, Into the middle of, like, this, uh, where you can see, like, boats and stuff being destroyed by this fin. That's cool. In the water, and as you go down into it, you hit the water. And then your engine takes off and you're on the ride now. Yeah, that's really I like cool. that. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I got nothing. I got nothing to add to that. That's the thing. <laughs> when Tanner really comes in with these pitches, he's always got them so well thought out. And then when we get to the discussion stage, I'm like, I'm like, holy shit, he's so much smarter than I am. Like, what am I going to add to this? Well, from the for this one, I don't have a ton else. But so maybe you guys can come up with like some ideas for like more than the couple beats I had in transitions. Because I was going to say that can be where you're like tracking him through the wreckage, and then maybe Gantu comes out for the first time doing something yeah i don't know exactly what that well, would be. i was though. thinking it'd be cool to see Gantu in person because well, he's huge you know he's like 15 yeah. feet tall <laughs> I, on the show every time someone sees him and they're like wow that guy's massive he just goes yeah i'm i'm samoan and they go oh okay <laughs> <laughs> so like I, <laughs> that makes sense yeah <laughs> I would love to see him in person and like experience his vast size and then have him say, I'm Samoan. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. There could be one in the line. And that's kind of like the impetus of of Jumbo and Palika being like, okay, we better go. And then that's the last thing you see before you log in. uh, Yeah. Bored. Yeah. Yeah. Or he could be in like the, uh, the exit after you defeat him. 
where it's oh, like, yeah. ah, curse you, sort of a thing. Yeah. I'll get, I'll beat you next time. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you see where his <laughs> ship is crash landed by the waterfall yeah. or wherever, and he's just where like, six two five is. That's yeah. kind of his base of mm-hmm. operations. Yeah. So traditionally, uh, what he's trying to do is he's trying to kidnap the the cousins, the other experiments, mm-hmm. in sort of these like glass pill shaped containers. You see him in the film as well. But his uh, his goal is to take them, kidnap them, and then transport them across the galaxy to the evil Dr. Hamsterveel. Oh, yeah. I forgot about Hamsterveel. So what ends up happening a lot in the show is he'll kidnap, he'll collect this experiment, and then he will take it back to his ship. But somehow, before it can get transported away from the ship, our heroes come and they they stop it or the the experiment escapes so it could be a good moment um kind of the the darkest night of the soul moment of the ride is uh <laughs> that feels heavy for our Lilo and that's Stitch. a screenwriting term <laughs> for the end of the second act when things are at their worst but gantu and I'm the most pretentious one of the group. Ooh, yeah. Right after Gantu shoots Pleakley in the head. <laughs> yeah. I think we should put a blanket ban on Brock using theater terms in the podcast. Oh, but Eric gets to do it? <laughs> well, Eric's allowed. Yeah, Eric has a degree in it, Brock. Just yeah. like me, so we can use those terms. Yeah, they, they earned that right. Because Brock mixes in, like, real fancy terms with phrases like, I believe used earlier, theatery. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's why you don't get to. He really doesn't understand. Actually, I said theaterly, so thank you very much. <laughs> anyway, so at, like, the lowest point, you know, the the, the uh, near the climax is Gantu has imprisoned them. He goes back to the ship. And then we could, like, follow him there, and that's where it's revealed that, oh, this rocket surfboard also can grow, like, wheels come out, and it can go on land and do some cool stuff there. So, like, we follow him and save it at the ship, and that can be the climax. Yeah, I think that'd be cool. Like, we're doing this whole, like, chase through the water, and then Gantu captures him, takes him. We chase him on land on this, like, island. I I think it'd be really fun to chase him on this yin and yang's island where, like, Gantu and us are trying to avoid like these giant blasts of fire and water and stuff. And then he gets on the ship and it takes off. And all of a sudden, Jumba's like, hold on. And finally, our vehicle just shoots up into the sky. Oh, that would be cool. <laughs> with us on it to board his ship. Quick thought about <laughs> that. I think then we should avoid talking about its rocket propulsions in the entrance. Yes, I think that I agree. Sh- I think that should be a reveal. Like this is a, a quad. This is an amphibious vehicle. This goes on mm-hmm. water and land, and so we get like the end of Act Two. We're on land, and Act Three, he's like, "Well, hold on to your shit." And <laughs> is that in a, yeah. is that a direct quote from the ride? I agree. Yeah. As I was saying it, I was like, "This should be a surprise." <laughs> yeah. Well, the fun thing about Jumba is he's this kind of evil mad scientist who's turned good, but he still has these like a really hard time keeping his mad scientist tendencies under wraps. Sure, he's like Professor Farnsworth. So he's constantly (laughs) creating, like, death rays and stuff, even though... (laughs) Just out of habit. Yes, I think just, like, the surprise of, oh, we did not think we were going to be doing this, and then taking off into the sky would be awesome. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. Tanner, where had you envisioned this ride being? I'm assuming Magic Kingdom somewhere, but what what were you thinking? I had... I had initially planned on it being in that Stitch's Great Escape area in a restructured okay. way, because that's a pretty decent-sized theater space, actually, okay. when you imagine it with all the seats taken out. I thought yeah. there would have to probably be some reconstruction done there, but I think because we're leaning so heavily on the sci-fi aspects of Lilo and Stitch that it would still fit in the land, because we're going through the lab, we're chasing down the aliens... So that was my initial yeah. thought. Yeah, and with that ride system, you you don't need the space of like a roller coaster. So I think that's, exactly. that's pretty genius. <laughs> yeah, I, I was I was thinking then too, like thematically to get from Tomorrowland to Hawaii, it could be pretty simple. Of you start in like Jumbo's lab or whatever, and he like transports you to Hawaii. Like that's when he drops you out of the ship. Like yes, for he's sure. Giving you a briefing while you're flying, and then you drop out of the ship. Like okay, we're over the drop zone or whatever. You know, I think that could be neat. I really like it. I think that would be really cool. 
uh, because that was one of my concerns is I was like, how do we make the like nature aspects of Lilo and Stitch fit into Tomorrowland? And I think yeah. really at the beginning, at least leaning into the sci-fi aspects would be yeah. our way to do it. See, I've always imagined Lilo and Stitch is the perfect fit for Tomorrowland just in general because of like the experiment idea and him coming from space. I've never thought of it existing in a different place. Yeah, I think I, I think it really works. Awesome. Sweet. So, wow, we've really... So, let's just review the ride. Um, so, we head into the queue line. Uh, that's going to look like Jumba's laboratory in the house. That's a very iconic house. Do some really cool stuff with that. Uh, we exit into Hawaii, uh, and we chase some chase some experiments yeah. down yeah we drop down into yeah. uh from the ship into the water we go through first all this wreckage kind of figuring out what's going on then we hit up like surfing through areas on a chase i think that's where you can get things like zooming past the guy with the ice cream cone you can maybe see some surfers that you have to avoid and david's surfboard gets wrecked or some shit. <laughs> And so you're seeing these characters. Nice. <laughs> He's a nice guy, but it, it would be kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Like the ice cream guy. You feel bad for him, but it's still very entertaining. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we're going through all of those scenes. Then we chase him onto this newly forming island. And uh, throughout, I think we're seeing some of the experiments. So this isn't just like the first time that we see these two new experiments doing this. We're chasing Gantu and the experiment through on the solid island now. Gantu captures Sinker and takes off in his jet with him. And that's where Jumba has a surprise for us. And we launch off into the sky, chasing down the ship and eventually getting the experiment back. Nice. I love it. Quick, quick thing talking about the experiments um is there any room for like like in the queue line to have two different rooms sort of one that's explaining what i think the second room was probably explaining the surfboard and the first one just kind of has like a giant board like a like a map right and they have like different radar pings of where the experiments are and sort of like their uh their status like active healthy whatever not found chaotic or whatever something like that so that we can get a feel for that and we can enter into like a chaotic zone or whatever during I think, the the red i think that's a really good idea i think it's a really fun opportunity to kind of show the difference in characters so you could have like jumba's very scientific like uh here's a map of where they all are and then on the wall to on the other side it's a little chart that lilo drew by hand that's like <laughs> yeah. like in crayon yeah. All there, yeah. perfect places. Yeah, yeah, with yeah, like, like a smiley pictures of all of face. the different experiments that they've helped so far, and then like yeah. on yeah. Jumbo side, like these that. screens where like I think also to keep it interesting while you're waiting in line, uh, like the different pings light up and zoom in, and you can see like videos of what the experiments are doing, and maybe they're wrecking havoc somewhere or they're helping out doing what they do now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that would be very cool. Oh, which leads That's me to. What- in the walkout, I think it'd be very cool to kind of go back to a room like that and get an update on what happens with Sinker. I was just going to say that it would be really cool in the exit queue to see, like, what the experiments are doing now that they have been saved. Agreed. Yeah. So getting an update, I believe in the show. Sorry, Brock. Spoilers on your rewatch. <laughs> Plug your ears. Uh, he, I think he ends up working in a sushi restaurant, uh, chopping up things. Is kind oh. is uh like that does sound that's familiar. what his job is cutting up all these different things because that's what he was designed to do with this big giant fin on his back. Yeah, nice. Uh, um, this whole conversation, uh, I I noticed something when you we were talking about the recap is we didn't actually talk about Lilo or Stitch. Um, I was thinking, so when we're talking about how we're the ones doing this, I think it might be fun if we're sort of following Lilo and Stitch on this journey. Because traditionally it's them doing it, uh, and then we can be interacting with Lilo and Stitch the entire time. Stitch Mm -hmm. is always causing problems, (laughs) so that could also be a fun, chaotic element. I think it would be super fun to uh, see some of the... uh stitch doing crazy things on like one of these machines as well like climbing around gags and stuff i think following them would lead and also help with our guidance of like what we're doing 
on a chaotic yeah. ride. Yeah, because at this point, Lilo and Stitch are kind of like the experts on hunting down experiments and helping them out. Yeah, for sure. Cool. I think it's a sweet ride, Ben. Cool. Thanks, yeah, guys. Cool. Yeah. How are you feeling about it? I, I feel happy with it. I think we plugged a lot of like the gaps in what I thought should happen and added a lot of things that make it function as a clearer ride now. So I think it'd be really fun, and I'll be sad that we won't get this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and Tanner, I am thankful to you for bringing this pitch. Uh, well, I'm thankful for all of you guys for voting for me. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, let's move into the lightning round and talk a little bit about Thanksgiving, the Thanksgiving holiday. It's the lightning round. So to start off this, this ending segment here, um, what are you guys thankful for in uh, Disney related news or in podcast related? What are you guys thankful for? I'm thankful for 10 episodes. This has been a lot of fun. It's exciting. Yeah. Uh, we're going to keep doing it for a while. Uh, 10 episodes is, it's a really cool landmark to get to. Yeah. A lot of people have ideas for podcasts and they do a few and then they kind of burn out. I'm proud of us for sticking through. I'm very thankful for everybody who listens to us and keeps giving us cool feedback. It's been a lot of fun. Thankful for 10 episodes. Brock, what are you thankful for? I'm thankful for two of you three gentlemen. <laughs> Jake, I was kind of stuck with. Like, <laughs> I had no choice in the matter. Neither did he. <laughs> yeah, Brock, you were not stuck with me. I was stuck with you. <laughs> I was perfectly happy with my existence before you came along. You say potato. I say I don't like my brother. <laughs> All right, then. On that note, Tanner, what are you thankful for? Well, on a much more serious note, I guess, I know originally we had talked about this being thankful for things in the parks, but Eric hit on some things that I really am thankful for, especially with having the opportunity to do this podcast with all of you guys, especially in this crazy year where we can't necessarily see each other uh, in person all the time. It's nice to have this to look forward to, to goof around, and just the fact that people are actually taking time out of their day to listen to it. It's just extra on top of what would is so much fun to do, even if nobody listened. Yeah. Having people listen makes it so much more special. Uh, yes. So I'm thankful for all of that, and I know this holiday season can be lonely for people, especially this year where things are so up in the air about what's safe, where people can go. So I hope we can give you a little bit of laughter and joy with our dumb, <laughs> nerdy thoughts every week. <laughs> I hope that gives you a little bit of joy in it because I know it does give us that joy. Very well said. I, um, this is going to sound sappy, but I am thankful for all of you guys and that you wanted to do this crazy nerdy podcast with me. Um, I've had a lot of fun doing this for 10 episodes and I can't wait to keep going. You guys have had a lot of really cool episodes and ideas and stuff that we've gotten to talk about. And I really enjoy that. And I hope people listening at home have gotten as much enjoyment out of it as we have, because I know we're all having a pretty good time. So wait, really? No one else is going to do a a goofy one? Because now I feel like the here no we're gonna cut this part where you ask that and we're just gonna make you look like the biggest head in the world when yeah, we put this i would just like to say that i i am most especially thankful for my brother um i love him a lot even though he clearly does not feel the same way about me <laughs> yeah, this is where we cut brock just saying i'm the Asshole. Not any other context, just I'm the asshole. Over and over and over. <laughs> Instead of You know what? I stand music. by it. I stand by it all. <laughs> we know you do, asshole. <laughs> I think I've lost my title as bad boy of the pod. <laughs> You're still the bad boy. Brock is just bad. <laughs> <laughs> So Tanner said, hey, I'm not sure that this really counts as a lightning round. Well, that's right. That wouldn't count as a lightning round because, psych, we're still doing a lightning round, boys. I didn't want you to be thinking too hard about it. We, I have spun the wheel, and we are doing 
we have to, it can be anything you want. This is a bring your own pitch lightning round, but it has to be themed to the spirit of Thanksgiving. And I'm not talking about, I don't want to hear anything about taking people's land and genocide. <laughs> I'm thinking, you know, like family and togetherness spirit of Thanksgiving. Well, I got f***ing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so who's going to go first? Tanner. F***. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me start my timer. Sorry. <laughs> Tanner always goes first. <laughs> I do it. This is the one time where it's like really rough. <laughs> I can't. I, yeah. All right. So my Thanksgiving pitch idea is going to be how we know how the cars live their daily lives, but how do they spend their Thanksgivings? So we're going to sell We're going to do a retheme of Radiator <laughs> Springs Racers where Lightning McQueen has to get home for Thanksgiving with his car family. Also, on top of that, you can enjoy a Thanksgiving dinner at Flo's Diner. So we're just going to retheme the whole area. We're going to have a turkey-themed car. Mater's going to be dressed up watching the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. It's going to be awesome and magical. Holy <laughs> shit! Tanner, is amazing! God, God damn it, Tanner. I'm the f***ing king. <laughs> <laughs> we might as well start calling him Zeus because he's the king of lightning. <laughs> oh, I'm just saying, Zeus. check out them Twitter polls, baby. <laughs> <laughs> All right, who is next? It's me. Okay, 30 seconds starting now. All right, guys. Uh, we're going back to Wonderland for the Mad Hatter's Thanksgiving tea party for the kids. Oh. It's going to have a lot of big old spread. All of the cups are going to be like kind of visually like weirdly cut in half for you to sip out of. Everything's going to be cornucopias and turkeys and stuff that are weird gobble gobbling and surreal. And you'll be hanging out with all your favorite characters from the Alice in Wonderland franchise. That's my 30 seconds. Okay. <laughs> honestly, this has gotten way better than I was expecting. And I feel I'm glad I went first now because I think the pressure is just mounting more and more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really is. I'm kind of upset. <laughs> Sorry, bro. Go ahead. So Tanner kind of brought up something that we haven't seen what the cars have done for Thanksgiving. And so I was thinking of other universes where we haven't seen what the characters do for Thanksgiving. And I thought uh, in New York City, in Avengers Tower, what are those folks doing when it comes to be (laughs) November? So I'm thinking we uh, in the upcoming Avengers campus, we show how the Avengers have Thanksgiving. Perhaps they fight a few supervillains and then they have a nice meal and they're all thankful for each other. <laughs> this is a really difficult <laughs> prompt here. I don't know. I know I it is. Like it's really but, good. but Tanner and Eric did a good job. <laughs> you know, I thought it was good until I was saying things and then I was like, oh, I have no other ideas than like, what if Avengers. <laughs> Thanksgiving? <laughs> yeah, like, wait, is it is it a movie or is it a ride or like, I don't what know. Is, it? <laughs> is there no idea. an Avengers Tower in Avengers Campus? <laughs> nope, there is not. <laughs> is it it's in New an York? Immersive theatrical experience. <laughs> All right, Jakey Poo. So my idea is a Thanksgiving party similar to the Christmas party that is held in the Magic Kingdom, um, but it's Thanksgiving and it will be hosted by Mickey and Minnie and it will be the big five. So Mickey, Minnie, Donald, Pluto, Goofy, however many there are, and they will be hosting their Thanksgiving party and it will be an after hours event and you can come and actually sit at a huge table with the characters and it'll be a character meet and greet, but it'll all be Thanksgiving themed and you can actually have a turkey dinner in the park with the fake snow and the pilgrims and dancing and music and all that stuff. 30 seconds. Bam. Man, both mine and Jake's pitches just can't fly in 2020. <laughs> yeah. You get to sit down next to other people. <laughs> like, <laughs> and eat family-style food with strangers. <laughs> family-style food. Yeah. To, be, to be fair, two years ago, people would have been super psyched about that idea. Yeah. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. How much things have changed. I'm thinking that this whole podcast is based on the fact that we're pretending Disney is still normal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like COVID yeah, has, has not be. happened. So how'd you guys feel about that lightning round, even though none of you wanted to do it? I'm actually pretty happy with it afterwards. Yeah, I'm sure the three of you are very happy with it. I actually didn't think Brox was that bad. I just thought you could tell he like 
had a concept and he's like i don't know where to go with this beyond I, I, have, I think there's something cool you could do with that but i don't know what don't forget to vote on our twitter polls for which lightning round attraction you'd like to see us come back to at a later date all right boys solid thanksgiving episode yes yeah. brock take us away hey you know what i'm thankful for today what are you thankful for brock Jake, I'm thankful for our Facebook. Oh, do you mean Facebook.com slash Main Street Musings? I sure do. Oh, and uh, I'm getting a little peckish. Tanner, could you pass the cranberry sauce and also the Instagram? Oh, do you mean the Instagram Main underscore Street underscore Musings? (laughs) Yes, I do. And Eric (laughs) Pilgrim. (laughs) Give me your Twitter. <laughs> At MSM underscore podcast. Eric Pilgrim. <laughs> I probably should have chosen one consistent thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys for tuning into another episode of Main Street Musings. We hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving, regardless of where you are or whether you even choose to celebrate it. I hope you have a good Thursday, if not. Yeah, happy Thursday. <laughs> happy Thursday, everyone. Gobble, gobble. And for our, for our American friends, gobble till you wobble. <laughs>